listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 31st of October 2022. Later, Russia's move to halt grain exports actually boosts the local share market. But first, we'll start with interest rates because it's going to be a very busy week for global central banks. The Reserve Bank meets tomorrow, the US Federal Reserve and the Bank of England later in the week also. For more, I spoke earlier with Diana Messina. She's a senior economist at AMP Capital. Diana, this week will be dominated by central bank meetings around the world. Here, the Reserve Bank tomorrow, what's expected? Well, we think that the Reserve Bank will hike by 25 basis points in November, which is the same pace as at its October meeting. But obviously, it's slower compared to pre-October when the RBA was hiking by 50 basis points. Now, the reason for why we see the RBA continuing to reduce the pace of very aggressive interest rate hikes is really because we don't think Australia needs to be raising rates at the same pace as other global central banks. 50 basis point rate rises should not be viewed as normal in Australia. We've already had a very large increase in interest rates since the RBA started lifting rates in May. Rates have gone up by 2.5% or 250 basis points. And there are some signs that the cumulative increases of these rate rises are starting to work to slow demand in the economy. And that's exactly what the RBA wants to see. The Bank of England's also meeting this week, uh, 75 basis points tipped. Uh, the US Federal Reserve interest rates there likely to rise by around 75 as well. So given that Australia's interest rates are rising at a slower pace, what does that say about the way central banks are reacting to inflation and what that rising differential between Australian interest rates and the rest of the world means for, say, our currency or our economy? Well, there's reasons for why central banks are raising rates at a different pace. We've seen the RBNZ, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the Bank of England, they've kind of been the most aggressive around the world because they started raising rates quicker than all the other central banks. Uh, But the RBA and the Fed have kind of played catch up now to those central banks by raising rates very aggressively over the past few months. The reason that the RBA doesn't need to raise rates as quickly as the other central banks is one, because, and most importantly, is because it meets more frequently. The RBA meets every single month, except for January, whereas the other central banks might meet only on a six to an eight week kind of time frame. So they have more of a need to do one larger rate hike because they might not be meeting for another two months, whereas the RBA could do 25 in each month and still keep up to the same pace as some of our other peers, our global uh, central bank peers. The second reason is because the RBA has actually said they want to be in 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 people's uh, in, in in people's view as raising rates consistently every month to get people used to the idea that, one, interest rates will be going higher in the short term, and two, the RBA is trying to slow down consumer spending and demand in the economy to get inflation down. That's ultimately its goal. And this was one of the reasons for why the the RBA decided to hike by 25 rather than 50 in October was because it wanted to be consistently seen in the public as wanting to get inflation down and wanting to slow down that pace of spending. In terms of the impact of of hiking by a slower pace every month, but potentially having the same level of interest rates or that same level of cumulative interest rate rises compared to to some of our global peers, 
Well, the implication that really are more on the currency. So there could be some um, uh, potentially some downward pressure on the Aussie dollar if the RBA is seen to not be going as hard as some of our global peers. But I think that some of the more global forces around commodity prices, what's happening to China and the weakness in China and the very strong US dollar, which is a factor of a risk-off environment, high recession risks, and the Fed raising rates the most aggressively in the next six to 12 months compared to some of the global central banks. That's the more important story that's driving the Aussie dollar. And lastly, as well for Australia, there is less of a need to raise rates in Australia compared to globally. And the reason for that is because, one, we have lower levels of wages growth here. Our global peers have wages running at 5 or 6% on annual basis. Australia's wage growth levels are half of that, 2.6% actually, in the latest wage measure. So that flow through from low wages growth to services prices is not as high as it is in some of our uh, global peers. So there's no need to get as aggressive on inflation. And the second reason is because Australian households are much more vulnerable to higher interest rates compared to our global peers. In Australia, 90% or more, a little little bit more than 90% of mortgages in Australia are classified as vulnerable which means that consumers are either on a variable rate or on a short-term fixed rate, which is between one and three years. So when you get the rate hikes come through, that impacts consumers much quicker compared to in the US, for example, where you can fix a mortgage for 30 years. And those interest rate hikes don't affect the borrowers that that currently have a home loan. It affects the new borrower that comes into the market. And to me, that's probably the key reason for why we shouldn't be raising rates as much in Australia compared to uh, some of our global country peers. You mentioned briefly um, earlier that there may be some signs of the economy slowing. Um, retail sales rose for a ninth consecutive month, those figures coming out today. But how much of that is to do with increased prices, inflation, and what does it really say about the Australian consumer? How, those rate rises, we know that they take some time to hit the consumer and come out of mortgages. Are we starting to see any signs of that? I think that inflation has quite a bit to do with the strong retail print. So retail rose by 0.6% in September, but the monthly inflation indicator that the ABS publishes, that also rose by 0.6% in September. So to me, that indicates that the volume of retail spending was probably flat in September. In some of the prior months, retail spending was higher than 1% a month. So that probably shows both signs of an inflation impact, but also just high demand from consumers. If I look at some of the weekly credit card spending from the banks, it's not collapsing, but it is slowing from its high pace of growth earlier. So I think that it's the start of a new trend, which will be slowing consumer spending in Australia. As we've spoken about, there are lags, uh, multiple month lags involved with interest rate rises. I think there is still also this excitement in the post-COVID world of more spending on services. Consumers are still sitting on high savings balances. All of these things are still helping to support consumer spending. And of course, most importantly, the unemployment rate is at a 48-year low. And that ultimately is the, the determinant of consumer spending. So I do think that consumer spending will start to slow down over the coming months, but it's probably not going to collapse, even though we've had these very large interest rate rises. But if you think about how high... how much interest rate rises will impact consumers, 
it's worthwhile to think about it in terms of how much it will add on to your monthly mortgage. So a 25 basis point hike at tomorrow's Melbourne Cup meeting will add about 75 basis points to an average $500,000 mortgage in Australia. That's an average mortgage. Of course, you know, households have different levels. If we account for all the mortgage, all the, all the rate rises that have occurred so far since May, it totals about an additional payment of $9,700 on an average mortgage. That's quite a lot of money. That's an additional $10,000 that a household has to come up with. And that money has to be either taken from savings, offset accounts, or reduced expenditure on discretionary items. So to me, it's very clear that consumer spending will start to slow. And I think the consumer sentiment surveys, the weakness in them, tells us that consumers know that they will have to slow down the pace of spending, but it will just take some time. And of course, we also have a lot of mortgages that are on uh, fixed rates that expire in the second half of next year. A lot of those mortgages expire in the second half of 2023. So consumers won't be feeling the rate rises just yet for those who have fixed until that time. But when they roll off to an interest rate that's probably three times, if not more, than what they fixed at, I think that there will be a lot of people who will be feeling pain. Diana Messina there. She is a senior economist at AMP Capital. From interest rates to the Australian share market where there were no tricks, just treats today, the S&P ASX 200 up 1.2%, 6,863 points. For more, I spoke earlier with Elio D'Amato from Daylight Financial Group. Look, we had a strong lead from the US on Friday, and that's been enough to motivate some buying activity across the board. Uh, IT, for example, has been one of our best performing sectors today, as there was some bargain hunting in the US on the back of tech stocks, who had been disappointing through this recent quarterly earnings season, but uh, some felt it was uh, cheap enough to get back in. Consumer discretionary uh, here in Australia was also another strong sector today. The AGM uh, season really showing us that the Australian consumer is quite resilient. In the, flies, in the face of inflation, uh, rising Aussie dollar, and, of course, interest rates um, still going out and spending despite all those factors. In terms of what's moving the markets today, can we talk about those wheat prices? They went through the roof in the middle of the year, up again overnight. A lot of it has to do with Russia. And this is having uh, impacts on local companies like Grain Corp today. Can you go through that? Yeah, look, obviously a restraint on supply globally is likely to make grain prices rise. Um, unfortunately, though, it does impact all those countries that are or more developing nations rather than those that are advanced. Um, under normal circumstances, a higher market price is obviously going to be good for Australia. Um, after all, this year was expected to be a bumper wheat harvest uh, um, on the eastern seaboard. But of course, that was until we experienced the recent floods in Victoria and New South Wales. Now, while the full extent of flood damage can't yet be quite assessed, um, obviously, things like a slow ripening, risal, uh, or rising fungal load, uh, inability to harvest, uh, destruction to infrastructure, all of it is likely to restrict our own supply. So you point to Grain Corp, and yes, they've had a good day, as they would, given they've got silos up and down the East Coast. Um, also, 70% of all the grain they hold is shipped overseas. So there'll be beneficiaries from a rising grain price. But given recent weather events that we've experienced domestically, the benefit of high prices will be somewhat offset by the lack of its own supply. So, uh, yes, a good day for investors, but I think once we do get an update on the likely impact of the recent floods, uh, results may be tempered somewhat. And finally, in this environment of rising interest rates, rising inflation, where do you see the opportunities? 
Yeah, not many places, but we see an opportunity with the banks at the moment because obviously profitability rises with each uh, interest rate rise, um, particularly if Australians remain employed and can afford their home loans. Uh, this extends also to other financials businesses as we start to see a marked improvement in new bond yields um, that will uh, help the bottom line, particularly with those that hold large cash holdings. Uh, also, companies with short cycle inventory management or those that have juicy profit margins uh, will also benefit given their ability to pass through rising costs quicker and more efficiently in order to cover the cost of rising goods sold. So, look, obviously, it's an interesting time for the market. Uh, prices seem to be ignoring the broader macro event or the commentary from Treasurer Jim Chalmers, for example. Um, the AGM season's really been poignant because it shows just how resilient the Australian consumer has been because it's been able to support businesses who would normally have experienced a bit of a, a margin crush. But for now, they're stepping up to the plate and doing their bit and buying at higher prices. How long that remains will be the question everyone will be asking. Elia DeMarto there from Daylight Financial. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Listener.